I'm Aubrey. And I'm Heather. And, and this, this is Word Vomit. So today we're super excited because we are interviewing Heather's sister-in-law, Ashley. Say hi, Ashley. Hello. So as you guys know, we start each of our episodes out with three random questions so we can get to know our interviewee a little bit better. And then we'll dive into Ashley's story. Yeah, and just so you guys know, Heather texted me these questions earlier, and I was not in the podcast mindset, and I totally broke out in a cold sweat. So, appreciation for our podcast interviewees, like, has always been super high, but today it's just gone up, like, a hundredfold. Because Aubrey thought I was texting her the questions, and she had to, like, text me back the answers, but I was actually texting her what we were going to be asking Ashley. So a little complicated, but you know. That's funny. <laughs> okay, so our first question for you, Ashley, our first icebreaker question. Among friends and family, what are you most known for? Well, I'd say for most people that are not friends that I'm a talker. I tell people <laughs> that I can pretty much talk to the wall. And I've had to learn over the years how to like dial it back and then <laughs> I don't know I'm super friendly outgoing um and then with my family and maybe Heather you can back this up I'm the oldest and I have three younger brothers and I think I'm known as the bossy sister is this true I can back <laughs> both of those up but I haven't <laughs> I, like, haven't been around since you guys all moved out of the house, really, so okay. I never Probably got to... Probably more s- as an adult. More I, as never, an adult. I never really dealt with the bossy side. You think okay, you're more bossy just now? The one, yeah, just the one that's like, this is what we're going to do, and that's what happened. But I think you're, like, our family needs that. I think your family needs kind of a <laughs> leader who's like, this is what we're doing. Listen up. Just sit down and do it, because everyone's yeah. so easygoing. Well, I hope that it's not too bossy or too rude or anything i've never thought it was ashley okay well thanks what is something that a ton of people are obsessed with but you just don't get the point of okay so this one um is personally for heather um and that's (laughs) why i picked this question because we just had this conversation I don't know if it was Christmas night, but she's super into The Bachelor, and I just don't get it. I don't get it at all. I can tell you why like, Heather is super into The Bachelor. Okay, tell me. Because when we were all together, like when we all lived in Glendale, and Heather's still there, but like a huge group of us would get together every Monday or Tuesday night, just depending mm-hmm. on if the person had cable or Hulu, and yeah. we would just like have a party. So it's like, we didn't even really care about The Bachelor. I mean, we did, but we didn't. It was mostly just like for the party. True. Um, My husband, he went to law school and I went to a couple of those parties too, but I just couldn't get into it. I don't know. I don't know. I will say um, we had playgroup. We had a playgroup this morning where a group of moms and their kids get together just to socialize. And we went to a park and it came up at the park. And there were two girls who were like, oh, yeah, we've never seen it before. And I did say, well, I cannot with a clear conscience tell you that you should watch it because (laughs) you probably shouldn't. But I can tell you that I thoroughly enjoy it. Maybe, too. I'm married to a very, like, logical guy and he picks apart movies and things like that. So maybe after being married to him for so long, it's like, okay, this is so fake. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. maybe that's why, too. Yeah. I don't know. My husband's a lot like that, and I just tell him to, like, Shh, let me enjoy this. <laughs> I know. I <laughs> was just funny. thinking the same thing. It sounded like you were summing up Tanner. This is true. Tanner is, yeah. <laughs> Tanner, like, even movies he likes, he'll be like, oh, that's not actually physically possible. They couldn't possible, do that yeah. because this, this, and this. And I'm like, shut <laughs> up. Just enjoy it. It's a man thing. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Ashley, funny. what kind of art do you enjoy the most? Okay. This one was hard for me because I'm an artistic person, but I think I personally like to watercolor. And then I enjoy graphic design and interior design, if that's considered art. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Those are my three, like, 
I like to watercolor. Well, I like any of them, but I don't know how to do graphic design, but I appreciate it. I don't know. Oh, I could get into and all I'm those trying things to in a learn. big way. Yeah. I'm trying to learn and I love interior design. I think in another life, I do hair, but if I didn't do hair, I would do interior design. You can so. still do both, right? It's true. It's true. I should. If I had an opportunity to go back to school right now, I would absolutely go back for interior design. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's both do it. And then we can do a like. I'll come with you too. I'm yeah, in, guys. We can start a new company. I'm in. Let's do it. Then your then podcast can be hot. interior design. Too. Ooh. Everybody's here to witness the beginning of our beautiful company. <laughs> So submit submit um, company name ideas to us, and if yours is selected, then we'll give you a cut of our company. You you get you get first options of buying in. Great idea, man! We get so many so many good like investment opportunities on this podcast. It's true. Lots of good ideas rolling around. That's funny. Uh, you guys are funny. Uh, well, okay. Thanks for answering all those questions that gave me You're welcome. a little bit of an anxiety attack. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're going to get into kind of the topic that, that you and Heather set up. And we are super grateful to you for sharing this with us. We know that it's a big part of your heart. So thanks so yeah. much for sharing. My pleasure. My pleasure. What did your life look like before you got pregnant? Honestly, I lived a pretty normal, boring life in Gilbert, Arizona. I mean, in high school, I was normal. I was obsessed with boys and clothes, you know, the normal <laughs> stuff. As a single adult, same thing, normal. I served a mission for the, our church. And then got married. Nothing to nothing traumatic, nothing crazy at all. I was pretty lucky, I think. Were you working at this point in your life or were you going to school right before you got pregnant? Working full time as an orthodontic assistant and doing hair part time. Because after I got home from my mission, I needed a job that like paid the bills right away and you know it takes a while to build up hair clientele so right I was working both of those jobs and you served a mission for the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints too yes I did Omaha Nebraska hey winter quarters visitor center best mission very nice (laughs) (laughs) shout out Nom forever. Just <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about what happened when you found out you're pregnant. Like, was it planned or was it a surprise? How did your husband find out? How'd you tell your family? Is all that jazz? Okay. So it was planned. When we got married, my husband was 28 and he was kind of like, okay, we need to get the ball rolling. I'm not getting any younger. And I was always kind of like, well, it matters more for me, but whatever. I was excited. So we were planning it. And let's see, when I found out, when I took the pregnancy test, he was actually asleep. <laughs> and he does not like to be woken up when he's asleep. So I did not wake him up. And I just was like sitting there waiting for him to wake up because I could not believe it. So when he woke up, I just like told him, but he was like super groggy. So I did not get like a good response. How long did you have to wait for him to wake up? I I don't remember. I don't think it was super long. Longest 20 minutes of your life? Yeah. Yeah. And I think I was like trying to be loud, (laughs) you know, slamming drawers. Yes. Wake up. Yeah. So that's nothing too exciting. Just, hey, guess what? Look at this. Did you go, did you go out of your way at all to do anything exciting when you told your families? You know, we didn't. And I, maybe it sounds, makes me sound old, but I don't remember people doing that when I was, I mean, this was 10 years ago. Maybe they did, but I don't remember people doing. Yeah. It's Pinterest. Totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Pinterest and social media has blown all those things up for sure. 
Yeah, because we didn't do like gender reveal, nothing like that. Nothing. Makes sense. Yeah. It's just normal. Maybe more special though when you're just doing it for your family and like finding out as you go. Yeah. (laughs) Very true. What was the beginning of this pregnancy like for you? So I actually, for all three of my pregnancies, but this one was the worst, I was super sick. And even up to the end of this pregnancy, I was so sick. And this was back, I think now, I don't know, I haven't had a baby in a while, but they don't even give you the medication that they used to, Zofran, for morning sickness. But I took that, and if I didn't, I would not keep anything down. So I actually lost 10 pounds, well, maybe, is it 10 pounds? In the first trimester. Oh, man. So I was super sick. Yeah. So that was super fun. Yeah, sounds like a party. Yeah. But other than that, it was pretty good. I don't know how much detail you want. Maybe this is TMI. Oh, spill it all. Spill it all. (laughs) There was once that, like, I woke up and I had been bleeding and that freaked me out. But I went in, like, that was over the weekend. And then I went in and I made them do, like, a... What do you call that thing? Ultrasound? Not an ultrasound. The Doppler. Is that what it's called? Yeah. And everything was fine. And they're like, that's normal. But I don't think it was normal. Wait, what? what's the Doppler? You guys, I've had kids and I don't know. It's like the heart. It's the heart rate monitor thing, right? Yeah, I guess. For them to hear the heart. Yeah, it's like a heart rate. You can hear the heartbeat or whatever. Okay. The heartbeat. Yeah. My sisters are very straightforward with me and will give me like very honest feedback about this podcast and I appreciate them for that but my sister is like when you talk about like having babies and stuff sometimes you use terms that I don't know and (laughs) she she hasn't had a kid yet but she's also a physical therapist and has been to a lot of medical schooling and she was like I have a medical background so I think you need to be more clear for those who don't have medical background or for those who don't have kids so we're trying guys we're trying There you go. Well, I don't even know if Doppler is a medically no, correct right. term. <laughs> but we've de- we've defined it sure, for this for sure. our purposes. Okay. <laughs> when did you first discover that something was wrong with your pregnancy and how did things unravel from there? I think it was at 19 weeks. I remember it was a Friday. Me and my husband, we were going to go on a date because, you know, we used to go on lots of those before we had kids. (laughs) And um, before we left, I went to, like, go to the bathroom. And, again, lots of info here. But I went to go to the bathroom, and it was like my underwear was all wet. Like, I peed, but I hadn't. So that kind of freaked me out. And it wasn't just a little bit. I can't remember exactly what we did, but... I know we went to Walmart after that and I saw a friend from church who'd, who had like two or three kids. So I asked her, I'm like, is that normal? And she's like, "Mm, that's not normal. She's like, I would call your doctor. So I called the on-call doctor and they had me go to the ER and what they do, basically it was amniotic fluid. So they do like a swab test in your nether regions and <laughs> to, to see if you have amniotic fluid in there. The problem is, I mean, I'd probably gone to the bathroom a couple of times since then. They're not always the most accurate because mm. you can wipe it all away. So he, that, and I wasn't for, far enough along yet. You have to be 20 weeks to go to the triage. And since I wasn't, I went to the regular ER. So the ER doctor was like, well, I don't see anything. And I actually had my 20-week ultrasound that next Monday. So he's like, I think you're fine. Just go home and then go to the doctor on Monday. So we didn't think anything of it. Um, Then I went to the ultrasound. Everything looked great. But they did test my amniotic fluid level, and it was low. So they referred me to a perinatologist, Uh which is like a specialist for babies when you're pregnant with them anyway um but I didn't get in I wasn't going to get in with them for a couple weeks and that's also where we found out that we were having a boy 
And so we were super excited about that. But then again, telling everybody, well, they're going to send me here because my fluid's low. Everyone else, like sister-in-laws that had had babies on my husband's side later had told me, like, we were freaking out because that's not good to have low amniotic fluid, especially if you're, like, leaking it. Well, I had no idea. I mean, it's so first hard pregnancy, you don't know anything. Yeah. Yeah. First pregnancy. And honestly, like, through all of this, I just always kept thinking, this is like, well, it was 2000. Oh my gosh. 2008. Yeah. 2008. I was like, babies don't die in the 2000s. That was like 100 years ago, you know? So I, it took me a long time to be realistic about anything with this. But anyway. Well, so, and you didn't have anything to compare it to. No. And my mom had totally fine pregnancies. Nobody I knew had had. That's not true. My best friend from high school had twins who were in the NICU at the same time. So that was like my first experience with like problems with pregnancy and stuff. So. Anyway, but other than that, I didn't know people that had had, but that's just because I didn't talk to people about pregnancy. Because once you do know that, there are lots of people that have had issues and lost babies and things like that. It's a pretty common thing. Well, at least for Um, me, I wasn't interested in the topic of pregnancy until I was pregnant. It's true. Me either. And also, like, your mom probably didn't have a lot of information for you because she'd had... I mean, medicine was a lot different when she had her babies 20 or 30 years earlier. Yeah. And yeah, I definitely understand why you were not concerned. Everything mm-hmm. was new. It makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So from there, I went a week without leaking anything. Then it happened again, which I probably should have gone back to the doctor. But we were thinking we're not paying another $500 for them to send us home. So I stupidly didn't go back. And then that next Monday morning, I called my doctor and said, I leaked again, fluid or whatever. And they sent me straight to the perinatologist, like, as soon as I could get in. And that started to concern me a little more, because they were like, you need to leave work, and you need to go. I think they got me in right after lunch. So, like, my mom took me to lunch and stuff. And then we went in there, and they did whatever tests they were going to do, the ultrasound. And the tech, the ultrasound tech was, like, super quiet, which is kind of freaky for me. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. I think super, that they're supposed to be. But it's true. if it's you don't true. know that going in. Yeah, it's true. But then, so we're waiting. We waited in the doctor's office, and she came in, and it was just like, la, 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 we're just – talking me and my husband and she comes in and it was basically like your water has broken your your temperature is like 99 point whatever but I still had no idea what any of this meant I thought oh they can just go in and sew it back up or whatever and she said on and honestly you're probably gonna have this baby today and he might live an hour So I'm going to send you to the hospital, to the triage, and the on-call doctor, because it was a Friday afternoon. Yeah, so by the time we got there, it would have been like Friday evening when it would have been doctors on call or whatever. So she's like, I'm sorry, you know. And But what I do remember, it was cool. She reassured me time and time again that, like, there was nothing I did wrong. Like, it's just a fluke. You know, don't think you're working too hard or you shouldn't have exercised or it's just a fluke thing that can happen. And oh. I remember. How many weeks were you at this point? Times, 20. You're 20 weeks, weeks oh along. And they said, you're probably going to have your baby today. Yes. And that just happened to be my mom's birthday. So. Aww. Yeah, so they sent us over, and I don't think it really hit me until we were, like, driving to the hospital. And then it was just like, what the crap is going on? I don't know. So then, yeah, I lost it, and we get there, and the on-call doctor 
she was so nice. She did another test and she said, you know what? You're not contracting. I'm just going to keep you overnight and pump you full of antibiotics to see if we can keep you from getting an infection. Because for those who don't know, when your water breaks, they want you to deliver because you end up getting an infection if you don't. Um, that's like at full term. But the same thing, you know, can happen at any point. So she's like, I'm going to just give you antibiotics, see if we can keep you from getting this infection that's you're on your way to getting. I stayed overnight and I remember they they said, hey, we want to give you some sleep medication because we know that you're probably like freaking out. Well, yeah, with sleep medication, well, I did not sleep. <sighs> Honestly, like shock. and. Since then, other like hard things I've gone through where you're in the moment. Well, and I'll tell you the rest of the story and really like dire situations. I get super like calm. I don't know. So I was just like, that's definitely a good thing. Yes, it is. And I've even thought, well, maybe I should go be a trauma nurse or something because no, I don't know. I wouldn't do that. But in that case and in other cases, I just tend to like the even kill. I think that's so a I, really I good thing. I consider that I consider that a huge blessing for sure. Oh, so for sure, yeah. That first night they gave me uh, sleep medication, but I did not sleep on the medication oh, wow. even because I think I was just like, "What is my life? Like, what is going on?" You know and. I ended up being there for four days and they sent me home because they were like, well, you're not getting a fever. You can just take your temperature at home four times a day. And I had to be on bed rest and I was on bed rest for six weeks. And what I would do since I didn't want to leak fluid, because the problem with that, the amniotic fluid is what makes your baby's lungs develop what they do it's like they're pee and then they swallow it and they pee it and swallow it and that develops their lungs if he if he wasn't getting enough of that it wouldn't even matter if he made it to 40 weeks they said he still wouldn't make it so I would lay on one side for like two hours without moving and then my hip would like be killing me so I'd have to flip to the other side but anytime I moved more would leak out Aww. of me so what I do is I'd stay there for like two hours and then I go I can't handle this anymore so then I'd just get up and go to the bathroom and keep myself super clean you know and change things out that it needed to be changed and then flip to the other side and lay there again for two hours and that was my for six weeks, that's what I did, oh hoping that it was gosh. like wow. he was oh keeping enough. You're amazing. That, <laughs> that is, it was rough. That was is rough. physical yeah. and emotional torture. <laughs> yes, it it definitely was. Definitely was. I remember ugh, I had a friend, and I need to learn to forgive because I'm not friends with her anymore. But um, <laughs> her coming and being like, "Oh, you're so lucky to be on bed rest. I wish I could just lay there." And I was like, excuse me? Wrong thing to say. <laughs> I'm like, okay, but usually you're on bed rest because it's your baby's life is in danger. <laughs> like, it's right. not It's not fun. just for fun. Yeah. It's anyway. not just like, oh, this lady needs a break. I know. <laughs> no. Yeah. So that six weeks was pretty rough. I'll just say that. Yeah. Sounds like but, it. Yeah. So that was... The long story of the problems I was having, I guess. <laughs> How did your husband, Mark, handle all of this? Um, me being on bed rest, he, he was really good, actually, because I was so, like, up and down. Like, one day I was, like, super full of hope. The next, not even day, hour by hour, you know, like. He's not going to make it. You know, he just was a rock. And I mean, he still was in school full time and working full time. And then I remember I used to get like, it's not fair. You get to go and forget about this for the day while I'm sitting here and having to like count his kicks and 
you know, take my temperature and every four hours have another panic attack because I'm not sure if my temperature has gone up or, and when you don't have as much amniotic fluid, you don't feel them kick as much. So that's like freaky too. I don't know. It was not a fun six weeks. It's hard because it's already emotional, but not yeah. having really any contact with the outside world and not yeah. being able to, like, really be out and, like, like you said, not thinking about it and just being by yourself so much. That yeah. is hard on yeah. anyone's psyche, especially, you know, someone who has such a, you know, hard yeah, for sure. thing going on. Yeah. Luckily, every morning... My husband would take me to my mom and dad's house while he was gone all day. So I at least had my mom to keep me company. People would come visit me and things and bring me. I had so many books and magazines and movies. And well, that's good that you are left like alone with your own thoughts because that can no, be dangerous. No. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, Did this experience change your relationship with Mark? Altogether? From yes, for sure. Um, I remember we were like, okay, because he was born a week after our first anniversary, and we were just like, okay, this is like something people go through like later or really hard things. So I'm like, if we can go through all this and make it through this, we can make it through anything. And I still believe that. I still do. What what happened the day you delivered Miles? Oh, that was a crazy day. So at this point, I was in the hospital, like full-time in the hospital, in the antepartum, which is where women who have really high-risk pregnancies stay. And that's a real fun place to be. Every morning, they would put strap on that Doppler thing. The problem is, is they want the heart rate to be going up and down, not staying the same. But his was like staying exactly the same. And so they were like, huh. And of course they kept their cool. So I had no idea what was going on. So first they gave me a drink of cold water and they're like, this will wake him up. Because he can, his heart rate can stay, baby's heart rate can stay the same if they're asleep. So they're like, he must just be asleep. So I drank the cold water, nothing. Then they're like, hey, we're going to give you some sugary juice. And sugar wakes them up. Gave me that, nothing. Stayed exactly the same. And they're like, huh. So then they have this thing they can put on your stomach and it like shocks them or like not shocks them it just makes a loud noise Mm -hmm. and it'll startle them but at that point I'd been laying on one side for like two hours so my hip was killing me so I said can I just get up and go to the bathroom and they're like yeah yeah and then we'll flip you on the other side and do that so I got up to go to the bathroom and when I went to the bathroom I went to, like, wipe, and uh, I felt something, like, coming out of me, and, yeah, so my initial thought was, what is that? Let me, it didn't feel like a hand or a foot or a head, and really, the only thing I can think of to compare it to is, like, a white, you know those mini white powder donuts? Oh, weird. The the edge of that. The edge of one of those. I don't know. That's the only (laughs) thing I can think of. So I feel this, and my first thought was to pull it out. And then I thought, nope, I'm not going to do that. And I called the nurse, and she came in all la, 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 whatever. And I said, there's something coming out of me. And she's like, okay, lay on the bed. Let's check. So I laid on the bed, and she looked, and it was like, oh, whoa. Okay. And then it was just like, all hell broke loose. Every nurse was coming in my room. They were unplugging my bed. The head nurse was like shoving her hand up me. And they're explaining to me, your umbilical cord prolapsed. So it's like coming out. um, And you have to deliver him like right now. Because when a 
umbilical cord prolapses, um, usually it tears because they're too like soft or whatever. So mm. within minutes, like they're rolling me down the hall with this nurse with her hand shoved up me. Oh my god! And I don't even remember if like they covered me up. I mean, I'm sure they did, but I'm like, oh, that'd have been cool. But whatever, I didn't care at the time. But my mom happened to just be coming to see me as I was going into the operating room. And at this Moms point, no, they do. I know it's so crazy. My husband had gone to work. He would stay the night every night with me at the hospital. And um, but he would go to work and then he'd go home and like shower and get whatever and then come. So it was awesome that my mom was coming because I said, Mom. As they're rolling me by, they're delivering miles. Will you please call Mark and tell him to come? And so they took me in to the operating room and I didn't have an IV port in because I'd been there for like two weeks and that's uncomfortable. So I said, I have to have one. So they had to put me out to deliver him, oh. which I'm so glad. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad because... When he was born, he was technically stillborn, but they, like, revived him. It took a little while for them to, like, get him going again, because they said what happened, the why it was staying the same, he was, like, dying, I guess. So when it prolapsed more, like, on the way when they were wheeling me to the operating room, they couldn't find a heartbeat. So also, I found out later, and I'll tell you why I found out later, they didn't even clean me off. They had to just, like, cut me open and pull him out. And so they cut me belly button to pubic bone and then all the way across my pubic bone to get him out. <laughs> so like an yeah. X or like a plus sign oh on your yes. stomach. Uh -huh. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And I have beautiful oh. scars from that. I was still out, but my husband, he worked about 30 minutes away. My mom called him and he just happened to answer because he worked at a machinery, a cabinet shop, and it's super loud. And he answered and she said, they're delivering her. He left his machine on, didn't even tell anyone he was going, or maybe he saw one guy and said, will you tell them? He booked it there and he got there in like 15 minutes. Oh, just, man. Yeah. So he didn't, he wasn't there for the birth, but they wouldn't have even let him in, I guess, anyways. But he got there right as they were willing him out to go take him to the NICU. So he got to see him for a second. Oh. And then, like, the doctor that assisted my doctor was like, your wife's fine. She's still out. They're just cleaning her up. But she's okay. Yeah. So that was cool that he got there that fast and then I woke up and I think I woke up early a little bit because nobody was in the room oh wow yeah and they That's hadn't scary. cleaned me up they hadn't cleaned me up so I'm wearing like a <gasps> hospital gown like covered in blood what I'm terrifying yes. for you right now yes oh, that is God. straight out of a horror film well, and like on no pain meds, I woke up and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. I am crying. <laughs> but I mean, soon a nurse came in and she's like, oh, I didn't expect you to wake up. Let me clean this off you. And here's some meds. And yeah. Sounds like she kept so, her cool and that's good. She did. Yes. So that was the day he was delivered. And... I think I didn't see him for a few hours because he was so like unstable at that point. And I mean, I had just, even for a normal C-section, you don't like yeah. get up for like several hours, but, um, That's major surgery. Yeah. Major but, and I always surgery. get it mixed up, but like my husband went up to see him and he was like, either hooked up to 13 machines and on 16 medications or vice versa. I can't ever remember which. And I mean, he was tiny. I had him at 26 weeks and he was actually pretty big for a 26-weeker. He was two pounds, 
eight ounces and like 13 inches long or something like that. And for that early, like we have pictures. I mean, like Heather, you've seen a picture of him, right? Oh, yeah. He looks pretty normal. Like, yeah. and all the all the nurses were like, he looks so normal, except for he was like super hairy because he hadn't mm-hmm. like sh- shed it. I guess I think he was right. pretty well developed for the yes. age that he was. Well, and n- then having two more kids who were like huge, I get that. So my babies must just develop quicker. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the first day, and it was just like, again, I think shock. I was just in shock. Several people came to see him. Like, other people saw him more than I did. And I remember, so he was probably 24 hours old. Um, They were telling us it's not looking good. So if you have any, like, religious things you do, they they encouraged us to do that. So, you know, we have give our babies blessings in our church when they're babies. So um, my husband's brother and his wife came and I was in too much pain to move. So they got permission for my husband to bring his cell phone in and they gave him his name and his blessing on speakerphone so that I could hear it. Oh yeah. And my sister-in-law like wrote it all down. So I still have that. It's like in my jewelry box. Oh, that's really special. <laughs> yeah. Finish talking about the, that day and then tell us what happened in the weeks that followed Miles' short life. Okay. So he was born December 1st at around 12. He lived for about 50 hours. So he died on December 3rd at about 3 o'clock or so. And so, like I said, the second night a doctor came in, it was a different doctor. And she's like, he's doing a little bit better, but ultimately, basically he couldn't pee. And so if that, they were like, if that doesn't start happening, I mean, that's only the first of many problems that like, that was the first one that needed to be tackled. And his stomach just like would get more and more bloated. And we weren't even allowed, we we didn't hold him ever. And, like, you couldn't, like, rub his skin. You had to just, like, touch it. Like, and just keep your hands still because it it would be too painful for us to, like, rub it. And um, so I went and saw him a couple times. But, and I wish now that I'd gone more. But, I mean, I'd just been cut through, like, my whole stomach. So it was it a little It sounds hard. like you did what you could. <laughs> It's true. And I don't, I try, I mean, I don't beat myself up about that, but that's good. Um, then the day that he passed away, we went up there to go see him, but I couldn't even sit for very long. So we saw him and stuff. And then I remember the NICU doctor, the one we liked the best, came in and said they did a CT scan of his brain. And she said, along with all these issues, he's also missing part of his brain totally unrelated to any of this stuff and she said well do you think it's just because he didn't have long enough to develop no uh -uh. she said it was like the brain develops like before anything and that wasn't there before any of this issue interesting yeah and so she said it was a part of the brain that like he could have lived without but he would have had no hormones, so he would have had to have hormone treatments. He could have been blind. If he'd even had, like, a cold, his body wouldn't have been able to fight it, and he could die from simple colds. So, so I mean, lots even and if, lots of complications. Yes. Even if he'd lived, it was like, okay, how good, what quality of life would he have had, you know? Right. The miracle about the day he died they would bring me all my pain medication. Like, they just kept me, like, hopped up on pain meds. Because I was able to sit up there, like, all day and, like, be a present for everything. And usually pain meds, like, knock me out. And I yeah. was not tired or anything. Doctor said, if his... I think kidneys don't kick in. I think it's mm-hmm. kidneys. 
and he pees, you're not going to have to make a decision of what to do. Like, he's going to just pass away. She said, what you do need to decide is if that starts happening, do you want us to try to resuscitate him? Or do you, you know, want to do not resuscitate? And they said, we'll give you a little bit of time. And so me and my husband, we like quickly like prayed to know what to do. And we called our parents and they came in. And by the time they got there, we said, this is what we think we should do. Um, tell us if this feels right to you. So we decided we were not going to do not resuscitate. And like my dad and my father-in-law and my husband were going to like give him a one last blessing. And then if the kidneys didn't start working, we would just know that that's not him living was not what was supposed to happen. So that's pretty much what we decided. If he starts going, then obviously it's not his purpose to stay here. Right. So for whatever reason, I had a really hard time sitting in there in the room with him for very long periods of time because there was so much, so many beeping machines and seeing him hooked up to everything. I mean, he had this like huge hole in his head where they tried to put a like pick line. That's what it is. A pick line. Pick they were line, trying okay. to put it, put it in his head, but they couldn't get it in. Aww. Yeah. So we had like this big hole and then like, I mean, they would put a hat over, but I just, it was just hard yeah. for me to be in there for very long. Oh, uh, and I could a very emotional for sure experience and you're for in sure. pain and yeah yeah and it's hard because you know I've had two babies since when you have a baby you're usually just so like overjoyed and oh my gosh I made this you know and so it was just not anything like I'd planned it or thought it and like you know of course it wasn't right. nobody thinks they're gonna do that go through that so we went and sat out in the waiting area because they said like it won't be very long and we'll come get you when he's gonna go or whatever um so we sat out there and called all our family and everyone came um and then i remember before a nurse came even and told us so i heard this alarm start going off and they were saying, like, code blue, room, whatever. And that was the room he was in. And mm. so I remember just, like, getting super emotional, obviously. Um, and then a nurse coming in and saying, okay, it's time. And just, I had felt ready, almost like I'd been comforted. Like, okay, this is what the will of God is. It's going to be okay. But then I just kind of started to panic. When you hear a, uh, an alarm going off. Yes. Yeah. And you're going down a hallway and you see this blue light like flashing in your face. And I don't know. But then once we got into the room, they had like, at the time, it was like a shared room with a bunch of babies. They'd cleared all the other babies out and asked the parents of other babies if they'd give us some time. And so usually only two people could go in. But they let all of our family come in. And at that point, we got to hold him because they just said, we gave him so much pain medication. He's not feeling any of this, you know. So I didn't, I, that's when I first got to hold him was when he was like passing away. And I, for what, I don't know why, I still can't figure out why, but I didn't want to be holding him when he was, when he passed away. So I held him first for I can't remember how long for a while and then I let my husband hold him and he was holding him as he like passed away and what was weird about that is he was still hooked up to like a I don't know what they're called the machines that make you breathe <laughs> mm -hmm. um so even after he'd passed away and the doctor came and said okay he's gone he was still breathing oh, so it was kind weird. of it was kind of, it still hadn't, like, hit me. Yeah, and I would not expect that. It didn't honestly hit me until later because 
both me and my husband just felt so peaceful at that moment. And I still remember looking around at everyone else as we're holding him and they're just all like bawling, crying and, you know, everyone's got red faces and both me and my husband were not crying. And I can only attribute that to being like comforted, you know, by Mm -hmm. the spirit or God or whatever. And we just felt the only time I've ever felt that same feeling was like being in the room when my grandpa passed away. Just it felt like heaven was close. Like you could tell there were people there to take him, you know, and it was yeah. a good feeling. And oh, that's really special. Um, yeah. So for the rest of that day, we just got to hold him. We bathed him. He hadn't even had a bath. So we'd had like, dried blood on him and stuff and yeah I didn't even give him the bath my mom and my mother-in-law did because at that point I couldn't like stand up right yeah (laughs) and yeah so they gave him a bath and one thing that was kind of weird and we hadn't known this until they were washing him his like butt cheeks hadn't separated oh that is random so it was just like solid so he had, there was like a line, like a colored line, but it hadn't separated yet. And I remember that like freaked me out. And the nurse was like, that's normal. Like that would have happened later or whatever. But, mm-hmm. oh, and he had never opened his eyes. Like his eyes were still, you know, like puppies when they're born, their mm-hmm. eyes don't open. His his hadn't opened yet. So we never mm-hmm. saw him with his eyes open. Yeah. So the rest of that day was just... It was actually good. I don't know how to describe it otherwise. I just, I think people were kind of freaked out when they'd come. Like my aunt came and my cousin, and I think I was just kind of like, hey, want to hold him? And they were just looking at me like, okay, you're weird. Your baby just died. Why are you not like crying and moaning and wailing, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Oh, but that definitely came. But um, and we had this organization um, called "Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep." My sister-in-law organized it for them to come and take pictures of him with us oh. um, after he passed away. And they're all in black and white because he did not look good. Like his skin was very yellow, and you could see all his blue veins and stuff. But yeah, so that was the that day. And then that night when I went back to my room, I hadn't even showered yet. And that's when it all hit, I think, when we had to give him to them. I went back into the bed, the room and went to take a shower. And that's when I just lost it, Aww. lost it. And gratefully, I was so grateful they didn't put me in postpartum because I'd had another friend who'd had a stillborn and they put her in postpartum where she could hear like, oh, all the other babies. babies. No. So I was so grateful they didn't. So I was still in. What were they thinking? I know. I know. How sad. (laughs) And it was the same hospital. So maybe they'd learned. (laughs) She had him like a couple years before I had Miles, but. That night was really hard, really hard. And then I can't remember if I slept. I think, I think I did. I think they gave me, actually, yeah, I know I did because I had pushed myself, you know, to be up there and Mm -hmm. I just crashed. And the next day I hurt so bad, like so bad. Oh, I bet. Even even on pain meds. But um and the next day I just begged them to let me go home. I just didn't want to be there anymore and I don't know how, but I convinced them to let me go cuz you're supposed to stay in the hospital for like 5 days. Oh, wow. When you have when you have a C-section, but especially Especially, one is invasive especially that one. Yeah, but I think they just felt bad for me and Yeah. They're yeah, just like, I just come back if 
I'd he's spent way too much too. time there, and yeah, I did not want to be there. So we were able to go up again and hold him again, and that was a little traumatic because they had kept him like in a freezer. Oh, so when weird. they gave him to me, he's freezing cold, and that kind of shocked yeah, me. Yeah, that would and, be a jolt. Yeah, it was it was a little hard for me. And that was really hard, giving him back to them, because I felt like, okay, here you are. Like, I don't know when I'll... I mean, I knew I'd see him, like, to dress him and stuff. Even though he's not alive, I didn't want to give him to them. Well, I think it's just motherly instincts to be with your child, and... Oh, for sure. No matter how things go, you, that's your role. You anticipate being with that child. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they took him back and then we left and we had to stay with my parents for like, I don't even remember how long because we had moved to a basement apartment and I couldn't go up and down stairs with that big X cut. For, like, oh. I think two weeks. Oh, that was nice of them. So, yeah. Really I have was. the best in-laws ever, just throwing that out there. <laughs> <laughs> I, they're great. They are. And, yeah, that next, I would say, year was pretty much hell for me. <laughs> oh, I'm uh, sure. Yeah. What does your family do to honor Miles now? Um, the first year we let balloons go at his, where he's buried. He's buried in Mesa, in the Mesa Cemetery. But since then, I don't know, for whatever reason, we don't find the peace and happiness from going to his grave. So we don't go there very often. Especially now, we live in Flagstaff, so we don't live, we live like two and a half hours away from it, so it's not like we can easily just go there. But since I've had other kids, pretty much what we do is we like make a cake, and we have cake and ice cream and sing happy birthday to them. And like, a couple years ago, both my kids wanted to buy a balloon and send it to them, so we did that, and they both like, wanted to tie a little toy to it, and... That ended up being too too heavy, so we <laughs> they wrote him wrote. I mean, we even tried to get like little things, like tiny little things, but they wrote little letters, and or like Sam wrote a little letter, and Scout she like drew a picture, and we let him go. Um, That's so and cute. then yeah, and one year we tried to show them. Uh, my husband one year for Christmas had made a little movie a video of like all the pictures and videos we had of him like set to music and music that like meant stuff to us and um we tried to show that to our kids I think a couple years ago on his birthday but like our older son Sam he's just super sensitive and he could not watch it he like sobbed crying for like an hour afterwards so he has it's interesting as he's he's almost nine now so they're like they'd be 18 months apart he as he's gotten older has a harder time with it it makes him really sad to talk to him about him um but then our daughter scout she talks about him all the time talks about her her baby brother Miles. I don't. She doesn't quite get the concept of that he would be older. He's older, yeah. But she the other day even said, "Mom, when I have a baby, if I have a boy, I'm gonna name him Miles." Oh, like, oh, I love that she should. I know, so sweet. I know, I know. She's so cute about it, yeah. Aww. And we like have this book I made. I think I got like a free Shutterfly book or something, and so I made put a bunch of pictures of him and like someone had written a verse of I'm a child of God for like a child that had passed away. I don't know. So I put like the lyrics of that on each page. So she looks at that like all the time. 
in the whole losing a baby community, people go a lot more all out than we do. And I don't know if that's. I think every family has to find a way that is special for them. And I think that is the perfect way for your family to do it. I think it's really sweet. Sometimes, sometimes I think, am I just pushing this down or I don't know. And I've never been able to like get involved in groups. I don't know. I don't think celebrating his birthday and making a cake and setting up balloons is pushing it down. I think you guys are honoring it in a really special way. I think so. I like it. And, you know, the first few years were super painful, but like the last few haven't been, you know, it's been kind of like, woo, it's Miles' birthday. Let's sing happy birthday. And it's weird. It'll hit like it hits me at random times. Like, I honestly thought I'd be like super emotional talking about this. And I'm not. But, you know, I might watch a TV show in a couple weeks and one they play a song like there's a um death cab for cutie song that we listen to a lot during that time and so if i hear that song it makes me like super emotional or there's like a piano song that my husband would listen to a lot then like it's not the piano guys because they weren't it's the piano player from the piano guys uh-huh. i can't think of his name I don't know. So, like, if that song comes on, I get super emotional. Or, like, a couple of years ago, I had a good friend lose a baby and, like, talking to her about it all the time. And she would talk to me a lot about how, because she just had another baby a couple of years ago. We would talk a lot about it. And I would find myself, after talking to her, like, super emotional just because I know what she's feeling, you know? It's super hard to go on and have another baby after that. Super hard. (laughs) I think time heals a lot, but I don't think it heals everything ever. Oh, for sure. For sure. No. I think it just comes maybe less frequently. Like the waves don't roll as fast. For sure. I think having another kid, having another baby can help that for sure. But I mean, it still will randomly come up. Right. What have you learned through this incredibly difficult experience that could be helpful to our listeners or maybe to others going through a similar situation? I tried to think about this one a lot and it's because people ask me this question a lot. For one, it's helped me learn compassion because I think I grew up in such a normal childhood. I don't think I learned that skill very well. And I think going through something traumatic helps you learn how to be compassionate or empathetic to others. And I don't think you have to go through the exact same thing to be able to be compassionate or empathetic. I just think you have to go through something. What's the right word? Traumatic, I guess. Um, So I think it's helped me learn how to be more compassionate with people when they're going through something hard, even if it's not death of a child or anything to just give people breaks when they are going through something hard and not judge them if they can't do what people think they should be doing or whatever. Um, Another one I've learned. Oh, this is more for people. If you know somebody that goes through it, the biggest thing, if you have someone, a friend going through something, really hard is to not not talk to them I think it's super uncomfortable for people to talk to people after they've gone through something like you don't know what to say or Mm -hmm. but if you don't say something they will notice more than if you say something wrong you know there's nothing you can say that'll make it better so just tell them you're sorry And maybe if you think about them or think about their child or parent or whoever died, tell them that. You know, I got a letter in the mail or card in the mail from my cousin. I don't remember how long it was after. um, Who she just wrote me this little note that said, hey, I just want you to know I was just thinking about Miles the other day. And 
Ooh, okay, here it comes now. Um, that just meant a lot to me because you'll just notice like everyone goes on with their life and you're just stuck in this like hell. So just knowing that someone else was thinking about him and thinking about me meant a lot. And I know a lot of people did that. That's just, you know, one that really stuck out to me because I think it was a long time after. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know if it was a year after. I can't remember. I just remember she sent that and it really meant a lot. I don't know. That is really sweet. That is so really special. Are, I didn't I know. know. That. That's my cousin Lori. Oh. Yeah. I think oh. that's really amazing that she thought, oh, I should share this with Ashley because yeah. that was really meaningful for you. Yeah. So if you think those things, you know, if someone's going through a hard time, it's uncomfortable. I've even had an experience lately that I won't go into what it was, but um, it felt uncomfortable, but I did it. You know, you just do it anyways, even if it's uncomfortable. Because if you don't, I mean, they say when you go through hard things, you find out who your true friends are. And it's true. It's really true. Yeah, you know, there really were people advice. that didn't talk to me and or didn't bring it up, you know, after it happened. And that's just hurtful. Well, I think that's really good advice, good for everyone yeah. to hear, because I know sometimes people just don't know what to say and people don't know what to do. And so yeah. just letting people know, like, I'm sorry and letting people know I'm here for you. That's all you mm -hmm. need to do. And that can make a world of difference. Yes. And really don't say ever use the phrase at least. Oh. At least at least you got some time with them. At least, you know, they're in a better place. Don't ever use that, those two words, ever, because that's, that's a good, not, um, modifier yeah. not to use. <laughs> yes, just say, I'm so sorry. Mm. Just leave it there and give them a hug and good advice. that's all you have to do. <laughs> Well, anyway. Ashley, thank you so much for sharing this really personal yeah. story. Made me very emotional. Yes. <laughs> Sniffling, I needed I tissue. I don't know. It's... <laughs> Emotions are such a weird thing because they are. Yeah. Well, I've heard this story before, but yeah. since I've heard it, I've had my own child. And so yeah. it's just a totally different perspective for me now. For sure. And of course, it was sad to hear before, but just totally different view. So I remember Heather, um, Allie, our sister in law, her telling me when she got to the weeks when she was pregnant with her first where things started happening, that's when it really was hard for her. Because she was just like, I can't believe this is when that happened. And Oh, I, I remember yeah. thinking about you week 24, 25, 26 when I was pregnant <laughs> and just yeah. thinking how crazy that was that that had happened to you. And yeah. I wanted to add that my husband, your brother, Tanner, yeah. was yeah. serving a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Russia at the time. And this was the first child, the first grandkid coming to the family. And that was really hard for him to yeah. not be there and be able to support you and be with the family during this. You time know of what, loss. though? He did, though. And I don't I don't know if I've ever talked to him about this. Like. He got permission to talk to me. So we talked on the phone for like two hours I didn't know that. Yeah, like the week I got home from the hospital. And I remember just that was so good for me. So good for me. Because, I mean, of course, we talked about that. But we talked about other things. And it just, you know, I missed him. He'd been gone, I think, almost a year at that point. So it was just really good to get me out of my normal laying in routine. bed in pain yeah. thinking about it and yeah I remember we talked for like two hours oh, that's so, really special yeah. I didn't know that yeah yeah thank you so much for sharing your story it means a lot to us and I hope that it'll inspire other people and help them know how to deal with people who are going through tough circumstances and help them know how to deal with their own grief and yeah. know that things do get better with time yeah and it does it really does get better with time because I didn't think I would survive that and I don't even think about it on a daily basis now I mean I know it affects me in ways but 
that's not something I think about all, all the time. Well, I do think, like you said, it kind of changed your life perspective that like everyone's fighting yeah. their own battle and it made yeah. you more compassionate just because you were more aware of other people, even For though it's sure. not necessarily the same situation as you, everybody's going through something. So. For sure. For sure. All right. Well, that concludes this episode of Word Vomit, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. Thanks for listening to Word Vomit. We always love hearing from our listeners, so leave a review, connect with us on Instagram at Word Vomit the Podcast, or shoot us an email at wordvomitpodcast at gmail.com. Can't wait to hang out with you next time on Word Vomit. Word Vomit.